Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. How y'all doing today? Pretty good? Yeah, yeah. Humidity's gone. We're in church together. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, we've been, man, uh, a solid two months now, um, maybe, yeah, about two months now, in the book of Colossians. We've been working our way through it, talking about what it is that we, we want. And we've got about, I don't know, about three more weeks, uh, depending on how the next couple of uh, weeks go, uh, to wrap all of this up. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed in putting this series together, and I, I, didn't, I didn't exactly see this quite as maybe plainly at the beginning of the series, I see it now, but maybe you've noticed that like I have walking through this series, that, that the answer to what we want each step of the way is always the same. It's Jesus. Like Paul, who is the author of this book, the human author, somebody asked me recently, why do you keep talking about Paul? And I probably should explain if you're new to the scriptures. Paul, uh, one of the most prolific authors in the Bible, is the human author of the book of Colossians. And he, he's, he's speaking to all of these things that we want, like at the deepest part of who we are. And and he, and he speaks to how we can find it, but then at the end of the answer, it's always the same. Jesus. It's like a one-answer test. Like, just write Jesus in. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That, that in Jesus, you find everything that you and I want. And then Paul takes the book to kind of explain the sufficiency it's a big theological word of Jesus in every area of our life. And uh, frankly, uh, two months into it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to sort of unpack all the ways that Jesus speaks to the deepest desires in our lives. Here's my guess about you. And I know this, I've got about 30 years track record doing this at Cape Cod Church. My guess is you have a transformation story. If we were to sit and have a cup of coffee, you could tell me, you know, I used to be this and then this. Most of us do. We have a transformation story, how, how we overcame something, how we became something, how we started to find something new, how we wrestled through a struggle and found transformation and it's one of the proudest things in our lives the thing that we overcame and here's my second guess about you my guess is there's things you'd still like to see changed transformation you're still waiting on there tends to be stuff in our life that is just it's, it's stuck deep down in us. And it feels like the older we get, the deeper it goes. And sometimes we just go, ah, it's who I am, right? You know, I'm, 
in my case, I'm 54 years into this. Am I really going to change that? Am I really going to overcome that? 54 years? But, but deep down, we've got a part of us that says, I wish I didn't feel like that. You know what I mean? I wish I didn't feel like that. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't struggle with that. I wish it was different. And I think in many ways, the book of Colossians is a book about that, right? And how Jesus answers that. But in chapter 3, where we come today, and I will confess to you, I've been doing this whole series on Colossians just so I could get to today's passage. I love this passage. In fact, at the beginning, when I was putting the whole series together, I considered just doing a series on these 17 verses. And so I've got some, I've got more familiarity with these passages than maybe the verses that we've come to in the first two chapters. And here's what I've come to think. I think the best way to understand verses 1 through 17 is to read them backwards. I know that's a little bit odd, but that's what I'd like to do to you with you today. And in three sections, I I think it sort of comes together in, in three segments. And I think it's best understood. You can get the impact of how Jesus brings transformation into our life if you walk through it uh, backwards. So let me, let me do that. You don't have to worry. You don't have to walk backwards. You don't have to worry about tripping. I'm going to do it all for you, all right? So if you've got a Bible, turn over to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verses 12 through 17. And, and what Paul is doing here is he's giving a bit of a vision of what could be. That's why I want to start here. He's, he's basically saying, man, look at what is possible. Look at what the life he wants to give you looks like. So here's how he says it. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Um, He says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Man, wouldn't you like to be that person, right? Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance, he says, for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. It's beautiful, isn't it? Who wouldn't love to be that person? I'd like to be friends with that person, right? I mean, I think I married that person, but I'm not that person, right? It's, it's a vision of, of what could be, of God's kingdom ideal. 
What Paul's going to do next, or in reverse order, and this is why we're reading it, there is tell us how it is that we, we get there. And uh, the devil's in the details, as they say, right? And how we get there is a little bit more complicated than there. And, and so what he's going to do next is, if I, could, if I could give it to you this way, he's going to say, take this off and put this on. That's, that's the, so before I jump into the verses, he's going to say, okay, take this stuff off and put this on. Here's how he says it in verse 5. So we're, we're jumping back to verses 5 through 11 now, going in reverse order. This is that second section. So he says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, right? He says, kill this, man. Don't tolerate this stuff in your life. Kill it. You're in a battle. This is a street fight. Kill it. You can't risk having this in your life. Put it to death. The sinful earthly things lurking within you. Now, here's what he's going to do next. He, he's he's going to give two illustrations of this. Uh, two, if you could, packages of sin. He's going to talk about sexual sin, and he's going to talk about sins of speech. And he's saying, take these things off and put this on. So here's what he says next. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I, I think often I've read this passage and, and saw that last piece where he, he speaks about don't be greedy, uh, guilty of idolatry, and it's almost though he's, he's picked up a, a, a second theme here. He's moved on from the theme of, uh, of sexual sin, and he's picked up, but I, I and a lot of commentators, it seems, think that this is an extension, that he's, he says that there's, there's an extension. He's carrying on the idea of, of what happens when, when a whatever, whenever attitude towards sexual intimacy takes over our lives. And he, he describes it as, as greed and idolatry. Like, it's, it's, this, it's this pervasive sense that I can have and do whatever I want whenever I want. I think that may be like a perfect illustration of kind of the, the pervasive effect of pornography in our society. Whatever, whenever. Whatever, whenever. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, take this off of your life. Don't live in this place. God has given a design for his people. His beautiful design is that a man and a woman would come together in a lifetime commitment, and that commitment would be bonded by a gift of intimacy, sexual intimacy that is life 
giving, that it bonds us together. And any time we step outside of his design, we make his gift of intimacy, of sex, a gift of life, something less. And we move further away from him and his blessing. And what he's saying here is take this off. Don't don't walk away from the place of God's design and blessing. Don't fall into the whatever, whenever I want thinking that's so pervasive in that world. And let's be honest, in our world. Because it destroys you. Now, next... Paul wants to speak about speech. And it's, it, you, you've got to think, it's sort of interesting that he picks two buckets, the buckets of, of sex and speech. And I, when I read it, I sort of think that Paul is like, now listen, before you get ready to go being holier than thou and pointing fingers at sexual sin, let me talk to you about the words you use. And we're all like, ah. Oh. Really, the words we use are so, so heavy. And here's what he says next, right? He says, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old nature and all of its wicked deeds. There was that, take that off. And then in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature. And be renewed as you learn how your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. <laughs> ah, take this off, put this on. N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite theologians and biblical commentators, in his commentary on, on Colossians, envisions this as two towns. He said, think of it this way. It's two towns, one that's full of all of these things he's telling you to take off. It's full of this whatever, whenever thinking. It's full of this slander and lies and gossip and maliciousness. And then over here is this town that is everything dominated by the love of God. And he says, which town do you want to live in? Like if you just had to pick, you know, you got town A, town B, taxes are the same, sort of. Where do you want to live? You think, oh, that's not fair. That's a rhetorical question. Of course everybody's going to say, but that's actually not true, right? Like there's always the cynic that would say, I want to live over there because I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And we're like, ah, I don't know. That place would be a hot mess. I mean, like, that stuff gets rolling and the consequences of it are just devastating. I think I'm going to live over here. And, and for most, the, the choice is easy. But here, here, I think, is the distinction. And 
I think sometimes we want to live over here and we want a vacation over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, don't you? Right? It's like, oh, this person's driving me crazy and I really want to say what I want to say. I think I'm going to go hang out in this town for a little bit so I can say whatever I want to say. I can do whatever I want to do. And I think this is, this is such an important piece of the story. What Paul is saying, what God is saying to us through inspiration is, listen, listen, listen. The consequences of a life dominated by doing and saying whatever, whenever you want is destructive. And you move further and further and further away from God, his design. And when you walk away from his design, you walk away from his blessing and into the consequences. He knows what he made you for and how he can bless you through that life. So, <laughs> I know you're thinking right now, you're thinking, whoa, heavy Sunday. And you're thinking, Ben, how is this possibly your favorite verses in all of this I get it. I really do. But honestly, it's the first four verses that are my favorite. I mean, it's the whole of the picture because it's all a package, but it's the first four verses because in the first four verses, he lays out this vision for how this can be true in your lives. In fact, I would just encourage you, if you want to memorize anything from Colossians, memorize these first four verses because they're beautiful. And it lays out this vision of how these things can be true, how we can take this off and put this on in our lives. So here's what he says in verse one. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven. You see that first word, since? He, Paul is reminding us. The, the word since kind of enters into the story. And he says, I, let me remind you of something you already know. And he's reminding us of it because knowing it, living in it, understanding it is so important to our lives. So he says, listen, I just want to put you in memory of this. I want you to sit in this place. Put he says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Like, listen, since this has happened in your life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Verse two, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He's saying, like, like, consume your mind. Rip yourself away from earthly thinking. Don't be so consumed with this world that all you can think about are the consequences and the winds of this world. Let your mind be consumed by what God is doing. Verse 3. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. For you, you died to this life. Uh, do you remember when you died? 
Some of you know, many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That moment, he's talking about surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ. Many of you. And we did it sitting right here in a service at Cape Cod Church. Or in a starting point class. Or in a Sunday school class. Or maybe you were sitting with a parent or a friend. And there was that moment where, for all intents and purposes, the old you died. And you surrendered yourself to Jesus. And you became a different person. I can remember that moment, the moment I died. I remember that moment I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and I was a child, and it was with my mom, and my life was forever changed. But I can also remember through my life moments where I surrendered myself over again. Key moments. I was going back through getting ready for this, and there, there are three that stand out as significant moments in my life. One happened when I was about 20 years old, and I was in the middle of Bible college, and I was just wrestling like, is this decision, is this thing, is it real? And I just, I remember it was a moment of surrender. The other two have come while I've been pastoring Cape Cod Church. I've been here most of my life, so what else am I going to do, right? I mean, there's moments like where it's just like, Lord, I'm, I'm yours. I don't have anything else, and I, and I surrender. We die to him, and he becomes the most important thing. And, and what Paul is saying is, you've died, right? You've died. Can you remember when you died, when you just you surrendered yourself to him and you gave your life over to Jesus and something took place inside of you and you were just, you were forever changed. That's what he's saying here. And, he, and, he, and he's saying something about this. He's saying, listen, this awareness, awareness of this, living in the place of surrender, remembering how it is that you came to that place is a key to transformation. Like you want to change. You want to be transformed. You want to change how you feel and how you think. That level of change only comes through dying. It comes through surrender. It comes through these moments where we just, we drop, we drop it all and we, we sit in his presence and we, we give our lives to him. It's, it's beautiful. I, uh, uh, way to illustrate this, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving, sort of, and not paying close attention, confession. And I ran over a curb. I just, it was dumb. It was as soon as I did it, it was a sharp curb, hit it. You know, first time my car ever realized it was a four-wheel drive. I mean, I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm like, ah! And as soon as I did it, it was violent enough that I knew. The new tires that I just bought, it was gone. There was no, zero chance that it would be rescued. I mean, immediately, like, side of the road and, I like backed the car into a side road so I could get out and fix it. And oh, I, was, I was so frustrated with myself. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been mad? You ever done something just stupid? And it cost you. And there was no one you could blame. That's the worst part. There was no one else in the car. If anyone had been in the car, I would have blamed, I would have blamed the dog if the dog had been in the car. But nobody was in the car. And there was no one else on the road. It was just me and my phone. And it's the phone's fault. GPS. 
got out, and I'm like, ah! I'm opening up the back end to fix all this stuff, and people kindly stopped by to offer to help. And you know what I said? No! I just didn't want anybody to witness my embarrassment, my frustration. You know, it's like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Fine. I got a jack. I got a spare. I know how to change a tire. I don't need anybody to witness what I might say. Back to that whole speech thing. Ugh. in the back and I get the jack out and all the little doohickeys and you can tell I'm a mechanic guy <laughs> and, and the tire is one of those that's under the car and it's got like a thing you, you release it and it lowers it and, there, and I'm, I'm looking for the little thing that releases it and I've lost it, I do not have it now I'm wondering if those people would come back and help me <laughs> right and I'm <sighs> You know, I'm like, I'm sweating. It was like 90 degrees humid. And I was late for a meeting. And then I remembered, like, I don't have a toolbox in my car. I have a mechanic's number. That's what I have. But I was not near home. So I remembered I had one of those multi-tools the only tool I have, right, in the car. It's like the, it's just like multi-tool, and it's got pliers on it. So I go, and I find it, and I find that I can, I can just, I can make it work, and I can lower the tire, and there it is. It worked. I got the tire changed. I was so grateful for that tool, I mean. Now listen, I don't, I run the risk of making it sound like I think Jesus is a multi-tool, that's not exactly what I'm saying. But I'm saying often in our lives, not often, always in our lives, Jesus, the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, a surrender to him, and the awareness of that surrender, just being reminded that he's, he's with me, is the key to transformation. It's the tool that changes how I think and how I feel and what I want because I'm being brought back. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, remember, remember, you have died with Jesus Christ. He is in you. And the memory of that surrender literally begins to transform us. There's one last verse. And, and I think it, it sort of pulls all of this together because it reminds us that, that, that this invisible God that Paul is trying to remind us of. He's like putting it in front of us over and over and over and over again. When the invisible God becomes real, transformation takes place. Here's what he says. He says, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share 
in all his glory. You see, the world, the world's not right. Neither am I. Neither are you. But one day, one day, he's going to make it right. That's what this verse is reminding us of. It's saying, listen, one day, all this struggle, all of this wrestling with dumb stuff and broken stuff is going to be gone. One day, God's world is going to invade. It's going to flood this world. And everything bad will be burned up. And everything that's done for him will endure. That's the picture of heaven. God's kingdom, God's world flooding this world. The invisible will one day become visible. But until then, you can live a transformed, victorious life. We're not simply waiting for that day. We're living in this day in the invisible. God is visible in our lives. And Paul is saying, listen, look at him, look at him, look at him. You surrendered your life to him. And in that moment, everything changed. He came to dwell within you. And so maybe today, it's just a moment of surrender for you. Maybe it's, maybe you can look back and you can say, oh, Ben, I remember when I said yes to Jesus Christ, when I gave my life to him. And I remember how things changed and were different and And sometimes maybe you'd say, and I miss it. I'm convinced that there are moments, and this is what Paul is driving at, that we just need to be reminded. Surrender yourself to him. And maybe that's the moment for you. Maybe the moment for you is just to humble yourself before him and give your life over to him. Surrender your life to him and let him be the one that transforms you through his presence and his power to change what we want and how we think. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as a reminder to you, since you have been raised to new life in Jesus Christ, set your sights on Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God in the place of power. Let the reality of heaven fill your mind. 
Don't think only about what's down here on earth. For you died when Christ died. And your real life is hid in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our real life, shall be revealed, we will share in his glory. My invitation to you is simply to surrender yourself to that, to say, yes. It might be an all over again surrender. It might be a, God, I've been living whatever, whenever, however I wanted. And I've gotten further and further and further away from you. Father, all across this room, we, we humble ourselves. We, we're reminded of when it was that we died with Jesus Christ. When we surrendered ourselves, submitting ourselves to you. And the freedom that we felt in that moment. And Father, for some of us, this is a fresh moment of surrender. A moment to give it all, give it all to you. We know, Father, that you want to give us life and life to the full. So, Father, without fear, our apprehension, we give ourselves to you. We pray in Jesus' name.